morning, good morning, good morning. We greet you with Jesus' joy. We are excited and elated to be able to come and worship our God in spirit and in truth. This is the Sunday before Thanksgiving. And of course, we realize that as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus Christ, we have so much to be thankful for. Um, as we prepare to get started, as far as our worship experience is concerned, we want to welcome all of you all who are joining us on our digital platforms. If you're watching us on Facebook, YouTube, or engaging with our live chat room found on our church website, welcome to St. Paul Online. Our digital ministers and social media influencers are ready to engage you this morning. So real quick, we want to invite you to share this experience with others. If you're watching us on Facebook, share to your personal timeline without starting a separate watch party. We want to make sure that we stay in the same chat stream. You can also tag those whom you want to invite within the post. If you're on YouTube, subscribe to our channel and then text this link uh, to your personal network. And if you're in the chat room on our church website, click on the invite button in the chat window to share this experience with others. As we prepare to move forward, let me just give a preliminary shout out all the way to Denver, Colorado, to the Chi Phi chapter of the Omega Psi Phi fraternity. They're joining us as we wrap up the celebration of our Founders Week. And uh, certainly delighted to those brothers from Chi Phi from the 8th District. And so, St. Paul, can you show them some St. Paul love and hospitality by sending them some hearts and some chats at this time? Amen. I'm going to ask that Reverend Kelly Baptist will come. She's going to lead us in our worship experience this morning. So if you know the Lord has blessed you beyond measure, can you put your hands together and give God some praise? Come on, it's worship time. Let's bless the Lord. Wherever you are, in your living room, in your kitchen, in your bedroom, it's time to bless the Lord. The Word of God says we give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, who is and was, for you have taken your great power and begun to reign. We thank God today for a God who doesn't change sides. Anybody grateful that our God is always on our side? We have something to bless him for and something to be thankful for. It's time to worship. It's Thanksgiving week. Are you thankful? Then come on, let's bless God. Put your hands together, raise your voice, and just tell God, thank you right where you are for all of his great and mighty acts. Let's join in with our choir as we begin our worship experience this morning, singing, Pass me not, O gentle Savior, hear my humble cry, while on others thou art calling. Lord, I said, Lord, do not pass me by. Let's worship this morning and give God the glory, the honor, and the praise. Sing choir.
start calling. Don't, don't, don't pass me. Anybody knows sometimes you should have been passed by. You could have been passed by, but the Lord God never walked past us and left us. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. I'm looking at the chat streams on the church website and Facebook and and we just want to know, where are you tuning in from? So let us know wherever you are, what city and state, where are you? We want to give you a St. Paul hello. We are so glad that you have come to worship with us this morning. The word of God this morning will come from the book of Psalms, chapter 71. And I'm going to be reading this morning from the New King James Version. So turn with me wherever you are to Psalm 71. And we're going to start with verse 14. I won't say when you have it, say amen. Maybe just wave at me, the online congregation, wherever you are, just just lift up your hand when you got it. You ready? All right, now. Psalm 71. And verse, starting with verse 14, it says, But I will hope continually and will praise you yet more and more. My mouth shall tell of your righteousness and your salvation all the day, for I do not know their limits. I will go in the strength of the Lord God. I will make mention of your righteousness, of yours only. God, you have taught me from my youth, and to this day I declare your wondrous works. Now also when I am old and gray-headed, O God, do not forsake me until I declare your strength to this generation, your power to everyone who is to come. Also, your righteousness, O God, is very high. You who have done great things. O God, who is like you? You who have shown me great and severe troubles shall revive me again. They shall revive me again and bring me up from the depths of the earth. You shall increase my greatness and comfort me on every side. Also, with the lute, I will praise you and your faithfulness, oh my God. To you, I will sing with the harp, oh holy one of Israel. My lips shall greatly rejoice when I sing to you and my soul, which you have redeemed. My tongue also shall talk of your righteousness all day long, for they are confounded And they are brought to shame who seek my hurt. The word of the Lord is blessed already. Let us pray. Our Father and our strong God, how we bless you. We come into your presence in fellowship, oh God, filled with thanksgiving, God. We just want to start off saying thank you for keeping us. Thank you for sustaining us. Thank you for being our help. Thank you for forgiving us. Thank you for being so patient with us. Thank you for being an example for us. Thank you for never leaving and nor forsaking us. Thank you for every good and perfect gift comes from you, and we know it, God. We've come together, Lord God, online, in the building, all across this nation to gather and to give you worship and praise because no matter how the times change and people change, we serve a consistently faithful God and we won't let anything distract us from giving you glory because your glory, your righteousness, your track record is greater than anything else that we are facing. Lord God, we offer this worship experience to you. Be pleased, oh God. Be glorified.
glorified by the words that are offered by the prayers, Lord God. Let every heart connect, oh God, even across the airways, because you are, yes, a God of the altar and a God of the sanctuary. You're also a God of the airways. You can reach from heart to, and breast to breast, even, oh God, across the internet. So God, we thank you. For every person who has come into worship today on the phone lines, on the internet, in the sanctuary. And we offer you our best praise, our greatest praise, everything that we are, because you've given us everything that you have, even your only son. Lord God, we honor you, we bless you, and we give our worship to you and you alone. Have your way in this place, in every place represented across the internet. And we'll continue to give you the glory, the honor, the praise, and the thanksgiving. It's in Jesus' name that we all pray and together we say amen, amen, and amen. Come on, sing choir and bless the Lord this morning.
Come on, put your hands together. Give God praise. We thank God for our male ensemble and how they have blessed us thus far. I want to say good morning to those who I have not been able to greet yet. And we thank you and we are excited that you're able to join us as far as uh, St. Paul Online is concerned. And of course, we're excited and elated sensing what God is going to do as far as this time of worship is concerned. I want to ask that you all will continue to lift up uh, our children and youth minister, uh, Reverend Peyton C., as he continues to be with his family. As far as his grandmother is concerned, we want to cover and we want to flank him with our prayers. As we move forward, as far as this worship experience is concerned, there are several kudos that I want to give out and want to share, uh, particularly here at St. Paul, as far as your generosity and kindness are concerned. I want to thank you for all that you all have done as far as our food pantry drive, as well as the um, gifts that we receive for the homeless shelter. The Belmont Community Thanksgiving Food Drive, working with the Belmont Neighborhood Association, we provided 200 Thanksgiving food baskets in this neighborhood. Amen. And so I want to thank you all for your kindness and for your generosity. And of course, I want to give a major shout out to uh, Reverend James Burney uh, for providing leadership as far as that is concerned. Also want to uh, give another shout out as far as our Kaya is concerned this past Wednesday. Want to thank uh, St. Paul Disciples, uh, Sister Lakeisha Williams and uh, Brother Jay Hayes, uh, along with Dr. Jane Eady and Dr. Leela uh, Nelson for serving as our panelists this past Wednesday. They were dealing with good grief and the information and the wonderful insights that were shared are, are invaluable. And it was a blessing to all who had watched. So I pray that <clears throat> if you were not able to check it out this past Wednesday, go back into our Facebook and uh, check it out. It will bless you. I also want to thank um, our uh, preachers who blessed us as far as our thankful Thursday services is concerned. Uh, Reverend Dr. Marcus Cosby, Reverend Dr. Otis Moss III, and Reverend Dr. Kimberly Moore want to thank them for their wonderful, wonderful preaching, as well as all of those who helped to make our thankful Thursday as smooth as possible. So from our music ministry and staff to our audio video uh, team to our um, health unit, uh, to our security and to our custodian, Thank you all so very, very much for all that you have done. And I also want to thank our digital ministers and social media influencers for managing our online engagement, as well as the staff that assisted us as far as uh, serving each night with me during that evening. Thank you all so very, very much. We realize that this week is leading into the Thanksgiving celebration. And uh, so our campuses are going to be closed starting Tuesday at noon, Tuesday at noon through the rest of the week through November the 30th. Uh, we'll be checking our phones for uh, any calls as far as sick and shut in as well as death or funeral notices. And the children's session of Sunday morning live will be on vacation as well. Um, 
Also, we want to let you all know that we'll be resuming our weekly Bible study on Thursday, December the 3rd uh, at, uh, at noon and, of course, at 7 o'clock. I um, want to let you all know that our marriage ministry is having what we call a couple's tune-up. And that will be hosted by uh, Pierre and I on December the 4th, 2020 at 7 o'clock. And you can go to our website and you can register for that as far as the marriage ministry is concerned. Um, I am looking forward to starting our monthly check-in after this morning's worship service. We're going to send out a survey to all the disciples in our congregation to select what's the best time and day for us to just do a community-wide Zoom meeting. Um, uh, well, check-in. Uh, it's going to take less than five minutes to complete. For those that are worshiping with us on phone, we're asking the digital ministers to contact each of our registered callers on our toll-free number and ask for your preference. Also, uh, just need to let you all know, as we navigate through this pandemic season, as we navigate through this pandemic season, we are in the process of providing temperature checks and symptom checks, as well as logging everyone who comes into our building. This includes all of our worship services, choir rehearsals, food pantry distribution, and general office visits. Anyone whose temperature is running high and or who has listed symptoms or who has been in contact with a person who has tested positive for COVID-19 will be asked to stay home until they've been tested and provide documents that clear them. Uh, in other words, you all, I am not playing with this COVID-19. Uh, it is not anything to play with, and we have to really take this thing seriously. And so we continue to implement um, the protocols that will help us here at St. Paul be as safe and as sound as possible. I just also want to mention that um, we are keenly aware that the numbers are going up. Uh, the um, CDC has encouraged that if you just don't have to, if you could, just stay home during this Thanksgiving holiday celebration with your immediate family. Um, stay home with your immediate family and, and, and not have a lot of visits. Now, um, I know... I know that there are some who are going to do what they want to do regardless. And my hope and prayer is that you will be safe and that you will be okay. In this particular pandemic, the spread now is not happening out in the public square, but among family members. Okay? And so this is why the CDC is encouraging us to just stay home with our immediate family. My mom called me Monday talking about, uh, I'm calling all my children and I'm telling them to stay home uh, during the Thanksgiving. I said, mama, we weren't coming anyway. Amen. This, this stuff is, it is too, too serious. And so we, we, we need you to, um, we need you to take care of yourself. Again, there are some people, there are some churches that, are doing what they want to do. That's not going to happen here at St. Paul. It's not going to happen here at St. Paul. Um, the God of faith is also the God of science. And uh, there is no conflict between faith and science. And where science does not answer, 
faith kicks in. And so what I'm trying to help you all to understand is that your pastor, your pastor, I am a man of faith, but I ain't going to try to test or tempt God. Let me say it again. I am a man of faith, but I ain't going to try to test or tempt God. The only place that God told me to put him to the test was when it came to giving tithes and offerings. Everything else, amen. I ain't trying to test God. I ain't trying to tempt the Lord. And so um, this COVID-19, it is not a pan. It is not a hoax. It is real. I know people who have died from it. You know people who have died from it. We know people who are part of our congregation who have had it. Some have survived. Some have not. We need to do all that we can until this vaccine comes out to protect ourselves. And even when the vaccine does come out, we got to be very uh, diligent and vigilant as far as that is concerned. Why do I have to keep talking about this? Because some of us are just as ignorant as all get up when it comes to this pandemic. I mean, just absolutely cray-cray. And, 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 and it's heartbreaking because when I look at what is happening, according to updated statistics, we can have close to 500,000 deaths in the United States by March. 500 deaths in the United States by March. 500 deaths in the United States by March. We have uh, had so many people who have been impacted and infected by this disease. And, and I have to continue to put this before you because this is not an issue of politics. It certainly is not an issue of faith. It is real. It is as real as the breath you take and the blood running warm in your veins. And I have to say, and I'm going to say it, that any church, any pastor that does not take this seriously ought to be, uh, the Lord ought to put them in check for pastoral malpractice. Okay? So, here at St. Paul, we're going to remain where we are, shut down. I ain't going to have a whole lot of folks in here. When we do funerals, we will only have about 50 people as far as the family is concerned. Um, and if we're not careful here in North Carolina, we're going to go back to stage one. So, again, wash your hands, practice physical distancing, wear a mask. Wear a mask. All right, that's my check for, for, for today. Um, as we move forward, um, I mentioned earlier, but I want to just give a shout out to my fraternity brothers all the way, over 2,000 miles away in Denver, Colorado, the Chi Phi chapter of the Omega Psi Phi fraternity. They wanted to join us in worship service today. And to my brothers, I want to uh, give you a major shout out. I'm throwing up a half hook to you. Uh, we thank God for you all joining us all the way from Colorado. They are two hours behind us, but they have come on board. Uh, and to the uh, bossless, uh, Eric, uh, thank you, man, for reaching out to us. And of course, uh, one of my DRs, uh, uh, Brother Jeffrey Smith, I pray that you all are doing well. And to my brothers of Chi-Fi, thank you all for joining us. We hope you all will enjoy the St. Paul experience 
virtually. And we're going to continue to pray for you all as you continue to lift up the service as far as to our God and to humanity. As we move forward, I'm getting ready to ask Reverend Kelly Baptist to come and prepare to take us to the Lord, uh, to the throne of God in prayer. We want to lift up uh, Dr. Monica Redmond. She's had another death in her family. Her uncle, Willie Joe Redmond, has died. His homegoing service will be on tomorrow at 10 o'clock. His viewing is today from 1 to 6. Uh, and the viewing will take place at the A. Dick's Funeral Home in Sullivan Chapel in Columbia, South Carolina. We want to continue to lift up the family of Brother Jonas Campbell, the brother of Disciple Johnny Campbell, and the brother-in-law of Mary Campbell. His services were last Saturday at the Greer Funeral Home in Charlotte. We continue to lift up the family of Sister Mary McBride, the sister of Alice Howard, the family of Rose Smith, the family of Lorraine Cooper, the family of Sister Kathy Jeter, the family of Ozena Hutchison, the family of Disciple Pamela McWhorter, and the family of Brother Disciple Randy Fair. We want to continue to lift up those families because their loved one has transitioned from labor to refreshment. We continue to lift up, as far as our prayer list is concerned, Sister Terry Boone, who had surgery last week. We want to continue to lift up Dr. Monica Redman, Reverend Grace Richway, and, of course, our uh, pastor emeritus, uh, Dr. Paul Drummond and his wife, Sister Drummond. We want to continue to flank them in our prayers. And you'll see names that will be scrolling on our list as far as uh, the sick and shut-in is concerned, and we pray that you will keep them lifted up. We also want to lift up our minister of music, Scott Gibson, as he continues to recuperate from uh, surgery that he had a few weeks ago. We know that the Lord not only hear our prayers, but answer our prayers as well. And so I'm going to ask that Reverend Kelly Baptist will take us to the throne of grace. Let us all pray. Our Father and our God, we come before you right now, Lord God, just touching and agreeing even across all the spaces, God. You are our comfort. You are the lifter of our heads. So we pray for every family, oh God, that is dealing with loss right now, that you would be their peace and be their comfort and their strength as you promised that you would be, as you have been in the past. Yet more surround them, God, in these times when we can't touch each other like we used to. We may not be able to hug each other like we used to, but your spirit is with us wherever we are, even in the midnight hour even if we were to go to the depths of the ocean you are there and the tops of the mountains you are there there is nowhere that we are and nothing that we go through that your spirit is not with us that your presence will not help us that you will not sustain us God so we come right now just thanking you for your consistency God we're going to stand on that even in times like these God we ask that you would just continue to reach out and heal the bodies of those who are dealing with illness so oh God and recovery from surgery we thank you God that nothing can stop your healing measures from flowing and meeting our needs oh God we thank you in the name of Jesus that there's no part of us that you leave out you've forgotten nothing God and you have left us here for a purpose there is a reason in this season that we are still here still standing still rejoicing still reaching out for you God so we promise right now in the name of Jesus, even in this week of Thanksgiving, that we'll keep Thanksgiving in our hearts, no matter what, Heavenly Father. We're going to remember that there is no sorrow and no trouble that is greater than you. There's nobody 
to do it because you will do it. We believe you, God. We trust you, God. We stand on your word. We stand on your promise. And we stand together, Lord God, saying your kingdom come and your will. I said your will. We cry your will be done right here on earth, oh God, as it is in heaven. God, keep us so we can keep blessing you. Shower down on us so that we can share your good news. We can cry out your greatness to the world, oh God, that needs you, that is listening right now like never before. And we'll give you the praise. We'll give you the honor. We'll give you the glory. We'll give you the credit, God. And it's in Jesus' name that we all pray and we say together, amen. 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 And amen. If you believe the Lord is answering your prayer, can you give God praise right now? Amen, 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 amen. Thank you, Reverend Baptist. As we transition um, our worship experience to this moment of giving, and one of the ways that we can show that we're thankful is by having an attitude of gratitude. One of the ways that we demonstrate that attitude is by giving. And St. Paul, I want to commend you again on your generosity and how it is a blessing, not only as far as the inner workings of the ministry here at St. Paul, but also the impact that it has on our community, our city, as well as with our partners nationally and internationally. Your gift your giving makes a difference in the lives of people that you know and a lot of people that you will never meet. And so as we prepare to give, as we prepare to give, there are three ways you can give here at St. Paul. The first one is by mailing your check or money order to the church at 1401 Allen Street, Charlotte, 28205. Or you can bring your money order, check, or uh, cash to the church. And if you want to do that, call the church at 704-334-5309. Make sure that someone is here to receive your offering. And when you drop your offering off in the physical form, we will place it in the safe. They will count it on the following Sunday. And so uh, if you want to do it that way, you can do it that way. The other way you can give is by going to our website. And follow the giving prompts as far as our website is concerned. Or you can give through the app called Givelify. If you don't have that app on your smart device, uh, go to your app store, search for Givelify, download it, connect it to your favorite credit card, search for St. Paul Baptist Church. You ought to see this sanctuary. That means you have the right St. Paul. And connect it to your favorite credit card. And in three clicks, you can give. So as we prepare to give, uh, however you're giving your offering, if you would, do me this favor. I want you to place it in your right hand, lift it toward the heaven. We want to give God what's right, not what's left. And let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we come and we thank you right now for who you are and for what you continue to do as far as our lives are concerned. And as we come, oh God, and as we partner with you, we give out of several measures. First of all, we give out of love. Second of all, we give out of obedience. And thirdly, we give because we know we are blessed. As we give, oh God, for those that are practicing the discipline of giving tithes and offerings, we know there's a special blessing connected to that discipline. God, for those who are giving something, even out of their poverty or out of their lack, we pray you will bless them in a special way. 
God, for those who feel like they don't have to give anything, if you will continue to tenderize their hearts. Now, God, uh, we pray that as we give right now, that you would take these gifts of ours and that you will, in your own sovereign and miraculous way, stretch them so that we can be a blessing to somebody else. Continue to show yourself mighty and strong through our capacity to give. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let me again say, if you have lost your job, if you've been furloughed or laid off, you don't have any significant income that is coming in, I'm not expecting you to give. However, if you do give, you give out of your lack, out of your poverty. God has a special blessing for you. But for those of us who still have income, this is where the strong can bear the infirmity of the weak. So let us give at this particular time, and we're going to ask that our male ensemble will bless us with song, and then we ask that you all will lift me up for the preach word.
Come on, let's give God praise and let's thank God for our male ensemble, how they have blessed us uh, all morning long. Amen. Thank you, brothers, uh, for your gift of song. And it is something that I don't take for granted. It's, it's certainly good when you can see brothers who don't mind worshiping and giving God praise. Now, Darius, I don't know what you've done, but get my monitor right. Amen. Before I get into this. Amen. Amen. Um, and I'm sounding a little airish as far as the house is concerned. Um, I, I, I started doing a series of sermons um, several weeks ago on Romans chapter 9. On Romans chapter 9. And um, as I did that series of sermons and in study, um, I'm feeling led to continue as far as the book of Romans is concerned or the letter to the church at Rome. And I want to look at Romans chapter 10. I'm going to look at Romans chapter 10. And um, as we look at Romans chapter 10, I want to, for the time that is mine today, I want to focus on verses uh, 1 through 4. I want to entitle this um, uh, uh, a second series of sermons as far as Romans chapter 10 is concerned. And this series of sermons is going to be entitled, Our Response to God's Actions. Our Responses to God's Actions. And what I want to do is um, I want to share with you Romans 10, 1 through 4. Uh, Romans 10, 1 through 4. It reads like this. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness and have not submitted to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Um, the focus of this sermon is going to be on verse 3, where um, Paul talks about, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness, seeking to establish their own righteousness, and have not submitted to the righteousness of God. I, I want to preach for the time that is mine, the danger of misplaced devotion. The danger of misplaced Devotion. Um, yeah. There's a cliche that goes something like this The road to hell is paved with good intentions. If you pause to think about this statement, many of us have found ourselves thinking if we were doing something good, when in actuality we were really on the wrong side of the tracks. Intention sounds good. But intentions do not pay any bills, nor put any food in anyone's mouth. You know how we are and what we say. This is what intentions look like. I meant to call you. I meant to check up on you. I meant to see you. I meant to mail the check. I meant to cash app you your money. I meant to log in to church. And here is the most infamous of all. God knows my heart. Unfortunately, some of us fall among the rank and file of those who mean well, 
But for some reason, you become sidetracked because the intention of what we're doing was permeated by a lack of understanding why we do the things that we do. For example, why do we shout? Why do we pray? Why do we give God praise? Why do we pay tithes and give offerings? Why, why do we even attend worship virtually? Why do we worship God? The problem with too many people inside and outside the church is how we want to make God in our image and likeness rather than understand that we have been formed and shaped by God to be in God's image and likeness. In other words, we want a God who looks like us, acts like us, behaves like us, and moves at our beckoning call. We want a God who is somewhat moody and finicky and surly because that's how many of us behave. We, we want a God who declares us to be special and highly favored and deserving of blessings while disregarding people who don't look like us. We want a God who makes us look good and give us our heart's desire and fill our insatiable appetites for the material and the mundane, for the temporal and the timely. We want a God who makes us feel good to the point where we have developed a spiritual superiority complex laced with arrogance and undergirded by ignorance. In other words, we make a determination about whom God can save and whom God will save and whom God, how God will save. We determine with whom God can have a relationship and we set the criteria based upon an erroneous, short-sighted perspective that is disconnected from the person, personality, life, light, love, and legacy of none other than Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I want to suggest to those that will listen to my feeble argument for a moment, I want to suggest this is very apparent in this country during this political season and this election cycle. The white evangelical conservative church has created a God in their image of whiteness and a Jesus in their image of likeness who resembles the tenets of the Republican Party rather than the ethics of the sovereign Christ. It, it has become even heretical because it's being portrayed that if you have faith in Jesus Christ, then you'll vote for Donald Trump. And if you don't have faith in Jesus Christ, you'll vote for Joe Biden. And, and I would readily admit, I know a whole lot of folks that love Jesus as Lord and Savior and voted for Joe Biden to become the 46th president of the United States. And, and I would dare say that we got to be very, very careful because what we are now pushing is Christian nationalism that has nothing to do with the God of the universe 
the Christ of history, the spirit of our salvation, but it has everything to do with maintaining political power and whiteness where we dress up Jesus as a white-skinned, blonde-haired, blue-eyed American draped in the U.S. flag with an AK-47 strapped across his chest uh, talking about black lives don't matter. We, we, we got to understand, we got to understand that the Jesus Christ of God will have nothing to do with the current occupant of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue unless it's to get him saved. Because I would dare say that what we see being perpetuated and propagated as far as the politics of this country is concerned has nothing to do with Jesus Christ. And when you have people that operate in that, then their righteousness is more important than the righteousness of God. I'm out there in deep waters right now, so let me just go ahead and say what I'm going to say. Y'all can take it or leave it. I don't even care. I'm just being prophetic right now. Because unfortunately, both parties have become so focused on a particular issue that sometimes both of them miss the mark when it comes to Jesus. You, 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 you You have some extremes that is anything goes. And God ain't into all that. And then you have some extreme that has all law but no grace. So, so, so this, is, this is my critique from a theological perspective because unfortunately the Republican Party will want to say they are standing up for God because they oppose abortion. That they are standing up for God because they oppose same-sex marriage. Here is my take on all of that. If you are against abortion, don't have one. If you are against same-sex marriage, if you are a man, don't marry a man. And if you are a woman, don't marry a woman. I'm going to leave that up to the Lord. But for where we are right now, that the issues of justice and mercy and compassion is being undergirded by the current occupant of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue that has nothing to do with Jesus Christ. That's, that's what it means. That's what it means when you establish your own righteousness. Let me, let me look at see, 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 the problem is, here's the problem. The problem is that in today's time and culture, we are preaching a Christless gospel. <laughs> and I want you to understand that there is no real gospel if Jesus ain't the foundation of it. Uh, 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 it ain't a real gospel if God ain't the focus, if Jesus ain't the sinner, and the Holy Ghost ain't the interpreter. A Christless gospel ain't good news, but rather a bunch of mumbo-jumbo that has no redemptive power, no transformative essence, and no creative juices. It is the type of gospel that is name it, claim it, nab it, grab it, health and wealth profanation of God's word. It is the type of gospel that will have you call it angels from 
Africa and South America. It is a type of gospel that will have you quoting and trying to speak in some unknown tone that even God is looking down going like, what in the world is that? It will, it's not the type of gospel that has you speaking glossolalia. It is a type of gospel that will have you speaking crazy lately, uh, that is laced with afatika, rakasika, faka, fesa, haka, thaka, that ain't got nothing to do with God. In other words, watch this, it's all right for you to talk about Jehovah. It's all right for you to be slain in the spirit, and it's all right for you to speak in tongues, but don't mention the real Jesus too much, or people will tune you out. That, that's why, that's why, that's why, that's why we can talk about a God who will give you things or a God that will bless you with things or a God that will send you a man or a woman or a God that will make you feel all tingly inside because this type of God is divorced from the God who deals with suffering, sorrow, and shame. We want a God who will make us fall out. We want a God that'll make us speak in some unknown tone, but we don't want the spirit to make us speak to our neighbor that we can't stand. But the problem with too many church folks is the fear to identify with the God who was convicted as a common criminal and executed as a prisoner of the state of Rome. This is precisely the type of thinking that creates controversy, confusion, and contempt when it comes to the person of Jesus Christ. Let me dig deeper. The problem with dealing with Jesus is that Jesus really doesn't fit our idea about God. And he doesn't measure up to the image of the Messiah. Um, let me say this because I, I know I'm getting ready to to mess up 80% of y'all that's watching me right now. And uh, I'm probably getting ready to mess up uh, 17 of the 20 people that are in the church right now. But Jesus wasn't pretty. Jesus wasn't handsome. There was nothing special looking about Jesus. There, there was nothing attractive about Jesus except the God that was in him. That, that when you look at how Jesus maneuvered through human machinations, there was nothing that should have drawn us to him. But oh, when you saw how he operated as far as his existentiality is concerned, we're able to say he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our stripes is upon him. And by his stripes, we can claim our healing. Uh, Jesus didn't, didn't measure up. But since God is God and since God is sovereign, then what I like about God is that God ain't controlled by what we want or desire. Because if that was the case, then God would not be God. But rather God would be some genie in a lamp like Aladdin. Uh, to be manipulated for three wishes and then thrown to the side. And since God is God, and since God ain't dependent upon us to be God, then God can move however God wants to move and when God wants to move, for whom God wants to move, without getting permission from you or me in order to move. So 
So God decided to step into the human predicament and deal and solve the human equation and do for us what the patriarchs, the matriarchs, the judges, the major and the minor prophets could not do. And that was to redeem a broken, busted humanity. This is what got the Jews in a mess. The Jews were devoted to the idea of God, but not the person of God. Uh, they, they were focused on facts about God rather than faith in God. In other words, they knew a whole lot of information about God. Their devotion was based upon a mistaken notion of God only favoring Israel while leaving others out to fend for themselves. Their devotion was to a God idea tied to the laws of Moses and the Old Testament. See, their greatest prophet was Moses. Their greatest king was David. Their greatest judge was Samuel. Their greatest moment in history was when God delivered them out of bondage in Egypt and parted the Red Sea. They were trapped by a historical event that should have been pointing them to Jesus, but instead of them looking forward, they stayed stuck in the past. So when Peter, James, John, Paul, and the other apostles started preaching and teaching about Jesus, it created a negative buzz among the Jews until their passions became so inflamed that they wanted to kill anybody that talked about this man named Jesus. Their failure was to make a connection between the God of Moses and the God in Christ. In fact, they could not phantom, they could not believe the same God who was with Moses and spoke to Moses from a burning bush that spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai that carved out the Ten Commandments with his finger is the same God who came in the person of Jesus Christ. In fact, I want to contend that it was uh, Jesus Christ who sent Moses since God the Father and God the Son are one in the same. I'm teaching good theology right now. Um, so when they rejected Jesus, they didn't even know they were rejecting God. And they were rejecting Jesus. They were rejecting the gift of salvation. Because you can't separate God from Jesus. As a matter of fact, you can't separate God from Jesus. You can't separate Christ from the gift of salvation. As a matter of fact, can I do a little teaching right now? You can't separate uh, God from Jesus any more than you can separate Jesus from the Holy Spirit any more. You can separate the Holy Spirit from God the Father any more than you can separate God from the essence of who God is. Huh? In other words, uh, God, the Father is God, the Son is God, and the Holy Spirit is God without them being, watch this, uh, three different manifestations. Uh, they are one in the same uh, that move in our particular reality and our finite minds cannot understand the very movements of God. Why? Because God is so high, you can't go over 
over him. He's so low you can't go under him. He's so wide you can't go around him. God is too much for our little brains to comprehend and understand. He's a mystery because if I'm able to understand God, then I'm able to define God. And if I'm able to define God, then I'm able to control God. But I know I can't define God. I can only describe God because God is too big for my comprehension. Am I talking to anybody that knows just when you think you got God figured out, he throws a monkey wrench in your theology. They, 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 they wanted the God of Moses, but they did not want his Jesus. They, 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 they wanted Jehovah, but they didn't want Jesus. They wanted Elohim, but they didn't want Jesus. They wanted Jehovah Rapha, but they didn't want Jesus. They, they, they wanted Jehovah Shalom, but they didn't want Jesus. They, they wanted Jehovah Sekinu, but they didn't want Jesus. They wanted Jehovah Nisi, but, but they didn't want Jesus. They wanted El Shaddai, but they didn't want Jesus. They, they wanted Jehovah Jireh, the Lord my provider, but they, they didn't want Jesus. And, and unfortunately, you can't have one without the other. That's the essence of our faith. This, this is what Paul is confronting as he attempts to reach the heart of his Jewish brothers and sisters. Paul is so concerned about their salvation, about their wholeness, uh, because they rejected the one who was their ultimate salvation. Remember, the Jews were trying to get right with God by doing everything the law had prescribed for them to do. And every time they tried to keep the whole law they kept falling short because it was the understanding that if you violated one tenet of the law, you violated the whole law. And back then, there were over 600 plus laws that the Jews were expected to keep. And unfortunately, they kept messing up. They kept missing the point. Paul had been part of that upbringing. And now the Lord had changed his outlook because he had been exposed to the resurrected and ascended Christ. And Paul was letting them know, you're going to miss what God has for you because you want to reject Jesus. So you got to see how Paul opens up the 10th chapter of Romans with this gut-wrenching desire. He says, uh, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. I wonder how many of you all that are listening to this sermon right now have a desire for people to be saved. I, I wonder how many of you all have a desire to see people have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, yet you see them rejecting the very one who can make a difference in their lives. Paul knew something that his fellow Jewish brothers and sisters had issues accepting. Paul knew that neither Jew nor Gentile could claim spiritual superiority when it comes to the church. And I would dare say it's the same today. That even though some of us would try to assert some sense of spiritual superiority based upon the false notion of how longevity means that one is connected to Christ, 
But I need to let you know that you can be in the church for 50 years and still not know who Jesus is. We're reminded that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. This means that none of us can claim to have it all or even know it all because God is constantly unfolding who God is to all who are willing to submit to God's will. It's unfortunate how the Jews had a misplaced devotion. Their misplaced devotion was to their righteousness, their misplaced devotion was to the law of Moses rather than to God. They were devoted to an idea. They, they were devoted to an idiosyncrasy. They, they were devoted to an individual. They were devoted to an image. They were devoted to an icon. I would dare say we see this in today's society whereby we have some folks now are devoted to an image and to an idea. We have people, unfortunately, who are devoted to the idea of Trumpism. They are devoted to the idea that Trump is king. They are devoted to the idea that Trump is an anointed man of God. They are devoted to the idea that when they stand for Trump, they're standing for God. I want you to know that, unfortunately, we have a whole lot of folks that claim to be Christian that are worshiping the idol of Donald Trump. But they weren't devoted to God. They knew about God. But they really didn't know God. And they missed it because of ignorance and arrogance. So how can we in 2020 avoid misplaced devotion to an idea, to an image, to the idiosyncrasy and get this thing right. I want to suggest a few things and then I'll be out your way. First of all, I want to suggest that misplaced devotion is avoided when information about God leads to transformation from God. Uh-huh. All right. Let me, let me unpack this for you. When information about God, what you know about God, leads to a change that only God can make in your life. When, when we look at the Jews... They were the ones who had the law, the rituals, and the customs to exhibit faith. They had all the tools, all the resources that gave them insight and information about the movements and machinations of Jehovah. They had the Torah or the Old Testament. They had the Talmud, the traditions of Jewish customs. Jehovah called them his people. They could quote the Old Testament writings. They could call out the various Psalms. They knew how many times to wash their hands. They knew where to let the water flow. They knew how often they needed to pray. They had all of this information about God. But somehow information did not lead to authentic transformation. Rather, information led to arrogance that was rooted in spiritual ignorance. Now, let me dare say, it's one thing to be ignorant. It's another thing to be arrogant. But it's a crying shame when you're arrogant and ignorant. It's terrible to be both arrogant and ignorant 
Because the problem with arrogant ignorance is when you know you don't know and you act like you know, but you really don't know, yet you want everybody to think you know so you can maintain your arrogance. That sounds like somebody at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. And I want to suggest that's how some of us church folks act. They really don't know, but they walk around like they really do know, but their lives don't demonstrate they know because there ain't been no change in their lives and there's been no change in their spirit. <laughs> they know theology, <clears throat> but they don't know God. They know Christology. That's the study of Jesus Christ, but they don't know Jesus. They know pneumatology. That's the study of the Holy Spirit, but they ain't got the Holy Ghost. They know sartoriology. That's the study of the doctrine of salvation, but they ain't been saved. They can quote scripture from Genesis to Revelation, but they don't know the God of the Bible. They could give you a history of the St. Paul church, but they ain't part of the real church. That's because they have information, but there has been no transformation. But when you get Jesus in your life, when you get Jesus down in your soul, when you get Jesus in your bones, there's a change that not only will you know about it, but other folks will know about it too. They will see that you not only have information, but you've experienced transformation until it removes the arrogance that you had. You have to testify, listen, it ain't nobody but God that got me where I am right now. You know it ain't nobody but God that blessed you beyond your wildest imagination. You got a new walk. You got a new talk. You got a new attitude. You don't talk like you used to talk. You don't walk like you used to walk. You don't go where you used to go. It's just some stuff. Can I preach it the way that I feel it that just don't appeal to your spirit anymore. There's some folks you just don't feel like hanging out with anymore. And you want someone else uh, to experience the same joy you got, the same love you got, the same grace you got, the same mercy you got, the same passion you got, the same purpose you got, the same forgiveness that God has given you. Uh, this is because, guess what? You know more than some scriptures, uh, and you know more than some church songs, uh, and you know more than some history. You know the God of the church and you know the God that you sing about and you know the God of the Bible you not only know that the joy of the Lord is your strength you know the God who gives you strength you not only know that the Lord is your shepherd you've seen him be your shepherd you not only know that the Lord is your light and your salvation you've seen him brighten up your dark paths and save you from the guttermost to the uttermost you know the change that God has wrought in your life and that's why you can sing like the songwriter said what a wonderful change in my life has been wrought. Since Jesus came into my heart, I have light in my soul for which long I have sought. Since Jesus came into my heart, can I do a church check right now inside as well as virtual? Anybody out there, anybody in here know that Jesus has made a change in your heart? Is he in your heart? Is he in your soul? Is he deep down in your bones? Because guess what? When you got Jesus inside of you. You ain't got to walk around bragging about it. Folks can see it. As a matter of fact, folks can smell it. As a matter of fact, folks can tell it. They know the difference that Jesus has made in your life. Can I preach this thing the way that I, that I feel it? Because there are some of y'all that know, had it not been for Jesus in your life,
life. You'll be cussing more, fussing more, fighting more, digging more, being more conniving. But you have to testify that since Jesus is in your life, you may not be perfect. But there's a whole lot of stuff you don't do that you used to do. Um, let me let, let, let me press on. Let me press on because misplaced devotion is avoided when God's way is more important than you having your way. Uh, that's, that's verse 3. When God's way is more important than you having your way. Uh, in verse 3, you'll see that the Jews were ignorant about the righteousness of God. And they wanted to establish their own righteousness. This is where they messed up. Israel did not understand the extent of God's righteousness. And how God's righteousness would be accomplished. And how God's righteousness would be made available to all people. As we move through these four verses... Paul takes note that Jews rejected Jesus, but they wanted to establish their own way of doing things to the point where they missed the move of God in their reality in the person of Jesus Christ. They had what I want to call a Burger King theology of having religion their way. And may I suggest that in 2020, we got a whole lot of us in the church that want to justify our lifestyle by having it our way. And it contradicts what God is calling us to do. Uh, they were not creating some new kind of righteousness. They wanted to have a relationship with God based upon what they do. That's called work righteousness. But God's way of salvation contradicted their way of doing things. This means that you and I cannot earn our way into a relationship with God. Paul lets them know and us know that we cannot get to God based upon works. This has to be based upon faith. There has to be a right relationship with God, not work righteousness for God. Because watch this, when I am in right relationship with God, then I don't mind doing the work for God. But I can't work my way to God because there's some days I ain't going to feel like doing the work. And then the days that I don't feel like doing the work, then am I in a relationship with God? However, when I have faith in God, then regardless of how I feel, the essence of my faith covers me from when I place it in God until I die in God. Preach Robert Charles Scott. Which means that even when my faith get slack and weak uh, that because I've initially trusted in God that even when I let go of God preach Robert Charles Scott God does not let go of me 
I don't know who I'm talking to right now, but I believe uh, that I got seven. I'll make eight that can testify that there have been times in your life uh, where it got so hard, where it got so rough, uh, that your faith became so weak that you let go of God, but God did not let go of you. You have to testify that when you look back over your life, uh, that if it was based upon your righteousness, uh, you would have been going a long time ago, uh, but it was based upon your faith uh, in the righteousness of Jesus Christ that sustained you uh, when your righteousness could not keep you. This this, this, is what, this is what Paul was struggling with as he's trying to reach out to his brothers and sisters and yet reconcile the Gentiles to purpose and destiny of God. Watch this. God, God in God's sovereignty is reaching out to people who ain't got no foggy idea of who God is. Can't even spell Jesus Christ. Don't know nothing about the Holy Ghost and God is saving them. These Gentiles that Paul was preaching to were a bunch of backwards, irreligious, paganistic, unspiritual people who knew nothing about the Yahweh of Israel, never really heard about Jesus of Nazareth, did not understand the movement of the Holy Ghost in their midst. But yet when Paul stood and he preached about Jesus Christ, being crucified, being buried, being dead, being resurrected, and ascending unto God. Something moved on their hearts, and they embraced the faith that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. And they believe what Paul said when he said, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and then also to the Greek. For in the righteousness for God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, a just shall live by faith. By faith, y'all. Uh, uh, that's, that's how you have the relationship. By faith, not your education. By faith, not your money. By faith, not what church you attend. By faith, not your financial portfolio. By faith, not your political affiliations. Not faith, not because you are a part of the St. Paul Church. That's what it means to submit to the righteousness of God. The Israelites understood the need to obey God, but they had become so zealous in fulfilling their duties and ritual without love until they really disobeyed God. They were trying to do it their way. And failed to understand that God wanted them to do more than keep the law. That God wanted Israel to love God with all their heart, mind, and soul. But the Jews misunderstood their own scriptures. They saw righteousness in the terms of antiquated actions and rigid rituals and callous customs. They did not see how their laws and scriptures was pointing to Jesus. They missed it. As a matter of fact, Jesus was the perfect fulfillment of the law. And they failed to understand that when they rejected Jesus, they were really rejecting the fulfillment of the law. That when they rejected Jesus, they were rejecting God. That when they rejected Jesus, they were rejecting the blessing. When they rejected Jesus, they were rejecting covenant. When they rejected Jesus, they were rejecting the promise. And I dare say, unfortunately, that happens in 2020 I'm here to let y'all know 
You can't come to church enough to have a relationship with God. I can't preach enough to have a relationship with God. You can't sing enough, brothers, to have a relationship with God. We can't pay enough in tithes and offerings to have a relationship with God. We can't do enough good works to have favor from God. God's favor, God's righteousness comes by us connecting to the righteousness of God that can only be found in none other than Jesus Christ. So when I hook up with Jesus, I am hooking up with the very righteousness of God that I am then able to claim Jesus' righteousness as my righteousness because my righteousness ain't right enough to sustain me before a holy and a sovereign God. Let me get out of here. I've held y'all too long. Let me get out of here. I've, I've been, let me, let me just say one more thing. That, that, that misplaced devotion is avoided when the righteousness of Jesus replaces our self-righteousness. Verse 4. When the righteousness of Jesus replaces our self-righteousness. Here. Here's the real problem with the Jews back then. Like Pharisees, they had become rather self-righteous, full of themselves. They knew the law. They knew the customs. They were able to read and apply these rules to their lives. But they became so self-righteous and thought they were the only ones who could have a relationship with God. They thought they were the only ones that were special to God. But the problem was that they had not been exposed to New Testament writings. Because uh, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, I don't know about anybody else, but I fall in that category, whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but they should have everlasting life. Uh, they thought they were the only ones because they were the seed of Abraham that could have a relationship with God. They thought they were the only ones because they were descendants of David that could have a relationship with God. They thought they were the only ones because Abraham was their father that they could have a relationship with God. But I'm glad that God did not stop with Abraham. And, and, and I'm glad that God did not stop with Moses. Um, but unfortunately, in 2020, we got some church folks who behave the same way. We got some church folks who believe that they're the only ones who are saved. We got some church folks who believe that if you don't speak in tongues, then you ain't really saved. And then we got some church folks who believe that if you're not part of their denomination, you ain't really saved. We got some church folks who believe that because you've been a member of the St. Paul Church for 55 years, that's good enough. Or that because you've been singing with the male choir for 20 years, that's good enough. Or because uh, you've been preaching uh, the gospel for 15 years, that's good enough. Or because uh, you've been teaching in Sunday school uh, for 20 years, uh, 
that's good enough. There's some people in our churches and in our circles that you can't tell them anything because they feel, yeah, that they know it all. They feel that nobody, not even God, can tell them anymore. They're under the misperception that they got all that they need uh, and they have become so arrogant uh, in and of themselves uh, until they believe uh, that God talks to nobody but them. Uh, have you ever seen uh, this type of self-righteous person in your mix? Uh, I want you to know, uh, yeah, that we got some self-righteous folks uh, in our mix. Uh, they want to live uh, their life uh, by the law rather than by placing their faith in God. In fact, it does not matter how sincere you are. Nothing and nobody can get you right with God except the person of Jesus Christ. And I stop by to let you know that the only way to earn salvation is to be perfect in your demeanor. And we all know that none of us can claim to be perfect because we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. Even after we get saved, we still mess up and we still fall short. Even after we've been to the water and been baptized, we still mess up and we still fall short uh, even though we're able to take communion on the first Sunday uh, every now and then uh, we don't dot every I and cross every T uh, but I need to let somebody know uh, that I'm glad uh, yeah I'm glad uh, that Jesus Christ uh, and his righteousness uh, is able uh, to sustain me uh, when I mess up uh, because somebody has to acknowledge that if you want to be right with God you got to know who Jesus Christ is in the pardon of your sin it's not going to be through some new age spiritual movement it's not going to be through some comedic experience it's not going to be how hotel you are it's not going to be through some Afrocentric religious experience it's not going to be through legalism it's not going to be through a payment plan but notice what Paul says that Christ is the end of the law of righteousness to everyone who believes I wish I had time to delve into Christ being the end of the law but as I close can I take you a little deeper the word in in the Greek is telos t-e-l-o-s telos is a strange word in the Greek but there are three understandings of the word telos the first understanding can mean termination as in the sentence the end of the class has finally come another understanding of telos means a goal that has been reached like the end of a government for the welfare of the people the last understanding could mean result as in the sentence he did not see the 
the end of his bad actions. So tell us can mean end. Tell us can mean goal. Or tell us can mean result. But I'm here to let you know that Jesus is the end of the law. <laughs> that Jesus is the goal of the law. That Jesus is the result of the law. And if we're to interpret Jesus being the end of the law, then that means that after Jesus, there's nobody greater or better than him. I know that those who practice Islam said that Muhammad was the last great prophet. But I stop by to let you know that after Jesus, ain't nobody better. If Jesus is the goal of the law, that means once you connect to Jesus, you ain't got to look any further because you got the ultimate prize in your midst. And if we said Jesus is the result of the law, that means we see the fulfillment of all that God has proclaimed in the person of Jesus. That means that after Jesus, God ain't gonna send nobody that's a whole lot better than him. I want to know that after Jesus, that's it. That's the end. It is finished. That's why he was able to declare on a hill called Calvary. It is finished because he had done everything that God had wanted him to do. And I don't know about y'all, but I like the word telos. But if I could use another word that blesses me real good, and it ain't the word telos, but it's the word consummation. That Jesus is the final consummation of the eternal God in the flesh. Now, when you think about consummation, it's a connection on a level that deals with something that is sexual and physical. But I stop out and let you know that Jesus Christ is more than a physical consummation of God. And he is more than a sexual consummation of God. That Jesus is the psycho-spiritual connection that you experience in your body, that you experience in your spirit, that you experience in your soul. Good God Almighty, I don't preach myself happy, but when you think about Jesus and all he's done for you, something happens in your spirit that you can't explain. Something happens within your body that you can't explain. You find yourself crying and you ain't even sad. You find yourself laughing and ain't nothing funny. You find yourself running and ain't nobody chasing you. You find yourself clapping and ain't no audience in front of you. But do I have anybody that ain't afraid to testify that when you have Jesus as the consummation of your soul, you get so high that it's better than a drug high. You get so high that it's better than an alcohol high. You get so high. 
until it's better than a food addiction. You get so high until it's better than an orgasm. It's a spiritual connection that allows for you to walk in the newness of life that you can't get from a new job. You can't get from a new house. You can't get from new clothes. You can't get from a new boo. You can't get from a new bay. You can't get from your husband. You can't get from your wife. You can't get from your money. You can't get from your friends. You can't get from your family. Do I have anybody that ain't afraid to testify that after Jesus, it ain't gonna get no better. So if you want to have the very best thing in life, I'm here to let you know that Jesus is, Jesus is, Jesus is the best thing that ever happened to me. Do I have anybody that ain't afraid to testify that because you got Jesus, you got a new attitude. Because you got Jesus, you got a new walk. Because you got Jesus, you got a new talk. Because you got Jesus, you got a new thought. Because you got Jesus, you got a new life. Because you got Jesus, you're able to forgive. Is there anybody that ain't afraid to testify that because of Jesus, he's made a difference in your life? So you can take what you want to take. You can have what you had to have. But give me Jesus, God's only son. Give me Jesus, the righteousness of God. Give me Jesus, the resurrection and the life. Give me Jesus, the great shepherd. Give me Jesus, the great I am. Give me Jesus, bread when I'm hungry. Give me Jesus, water when I'm thirsty. Give me Jesus, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Give me Jesus, the one that died on a hill called Calvary 2,000 years ago. Give me Jesus, the one that stayed on the cross from the sixth to the ninth hour. He died until the sun refused to shine. He died until the moon dripped away in blood. He died until the stars fell from the silvery socket. He died until the earth vomited up the dead. He died until the Roman soldier had to admit, surely, surely, this must be the son of the living God. They took my Jesus, they took your Jesus down from the cross and they placed him in a borrowed tomb and he stayed in a tomb all night Friday night. He stayed in a tomb all day Saturday. He stayed in a tomb all night Saturday night. A revival uh, set the captains free uh, when he knocked on the door. Uh, the devil and his imps uh, had to ask the question, uh, who is there? Uh, he said, it is uh, the king of glory. Uh, they hollered back, uh, who is uh, this king of glory? Uh, Jesus responded, I am the king of glory, uh, strong and mighty. Uh, I am the king of glory. Uh, he said, the captain's free uh, and then early 
ready? Can I be transparent? I didn't feel like coming to church this morning. Can I be transparent? I didn't feel like preaching this morning. Can I be transparent? I didn't even want to be here this morning. But oh, I'm so glad that I made my way and that I pushed through. Cause I feel my Jesus. I feel my Lord. I feel my spirit. Now can I holler like a Baptist would? mixed up. Don't get mixed up. Don't don't get mixed up in your devotion. Don't misplace it. Don't misplace it on you. Be devoted to God and his righteousness. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. Um, somebody out there listening to me right now is saying to himself or herself, I got to get my act together before I come to God, before I accept Jesus. If you could have done that, you would have done that a long time ago. You, you can't get your act together without him. I want to lead you in a prayer, prayer of new life, prayer of brand new start. Stop trusting your righteousness. Trust the righteousness of God. And and I'll let you know, it'll make a difference in your life. If you're listening to me right now, you want a relationship with the God of this universe. Or you want to connect to his church. I want to lead you in that right now. If you would bow your head wherever you may be. If you're watching us. If you're listening to us on the phone or the radio. Just repeat this prayer after me if you want salvation. Lord. I want. To be saved. I believe. You sent Jesus. To die for my sins. I can't fix myself. But I know you can. So I confess my faith and trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. 
God, forgive me of my sins. God, thank you for the gift of salvation. Thank you for Jesus Christ. I trust you completely. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, listen to me. If you prayed that prayer, you meant that prayer in your head, in your heart, in your mind, in your spirit. You're saved. Is it easy? that easy? Yeah, it is. You're saved. You don't work to get saved. You work because you are saved. You're saved. You're saved. But I want you to know that by you praying that prayer, you need to know what it means to have a relationship with God. So if you prayed that prayer, if you would, if you're on Facebook, just type in salvation when our digital ministers will reach out to you. If you're on YouTube, type in salvation in the chat. One of our ministers will reach out to you. If you're on the phone, call us uh, at the church, 704-334-5309. Or email us at connect at spbcnc.org. And we'll reach out to you at least by 5 o'clock tomorrow. If you are already saved and you want to unite with us, um, you want to join our church on those same platforms, just type in connect. We'll reach out to you. We'll let you know what the next steps are to become part of the St. Paul Church. We are receiving people digitally all across the country. And we would love to have you to be a part of our fellowship. Amen. We'd love to have you be a part of our fellowship. Well, my hope and prayer is that the Lord has blessed you as far as this worship experience is concerned. Again, to the brothers way in Denver, Colorado, thank you so much for joining us as far as our worship experience. We pray that you all were blessed. And we pray that you all have a wonderful fellowship as far as the rest of this day is concerned. You all be safe, my brothers out there in Chi-Fi. To all of you, the disciples of St. Paul and those that are checking us out, please be safe during this Thanksgiving celebration. If at all possible, abide by the CDC guidelines. Wash your hands. Wear a mask. Practice physical distancing. And if at all possibility, just hang out with the folks that you're living with right now. I'd rather for you to have a small Thanksgiving than to have a I see you Christmas. Let me say that again. I'd rather for you to have a small Thanksgiving than a I see you Christmas. That's the letter I, the letter C, the letter U. That's being in the hospital on a ventilator. All right? If the Lord gives you health, life, and strength, better days are coming. Better days are coming. But until then, we just got to constrict ourselves, restrict ourselves, so we can get to the other side of this. All heads bowed. Let's close out in benediction. God, we thank you for the eyes seen, our ears have heard, what we've experienced. Thank you for the righteousness of Jesus Christ. As we leave this moment, but never your presence, keep us in your sovereign care. And now to him who is able to keep us from falling and present us faultless before the presence of his glory with all exceeding joy. To only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forevermore. Amen. Listen, I love you. God loves you even more. We're one day closer to coming back in. But until then, pray for us as we pray for you. And let's check on each other. God bless.